podcast about hunting for people who don't hunt or haven't hunted or haven't hunted much. Want to learn. Or want to learn. To feel that tingling in the back of my neck. You have to be there. You have to be there. You, you, you don't know it at the time, yeah. you know, but it sticks with you all your life. And you, you, you don't experience those things unless you are a hunter. I mean, I am, but... We've been laughing all morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, the idea is, right, that I'm new coming back to this hunting and what I, in my head, call traditional outdoorsmanship, right, as a generalist in many things, but as a generalist in outdoorsmanship as far as, like, I like climbing and camping and hiking and which is all like in the realm of outdoorsmanship but the and I grew up doing the hunting stuff and fishing and all that and it's always been kind of a part of it but I'm new or coming back to doing that more as like a intentional pursuit as an adult or something that I want to learn how to do better and more for many reasons that we'll get into so that's my thought is take all that shit now while I'm new and get it down and put it out in the world to help other folks that are in the same situation avoid pitfalls and ideas and all that stuff. That's my thought. Talk people through it. Here's the experience of becoming what one might call a at least not amateur hunter and how you can do the same yourself and avoid some of the pitfalls and some learnings and stuff like that that I ran into along the way and some of the really, really stupid stuff I did without knowing that it was stupid at the time. And you want to, and like you've been yourself taught, right? You want to DIY everything. So it'll be a DIY angle on how do two, three, four, a group of dudes in the middle of that want to go hunt elk or moose or deer or birds or fish or whatever, right? Right. <laughs> okay. So that's sort of what we're trying to get at, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, we probably should have introduced everyone in the room. The person you just heard was, we t- can do that. was yeah. Tony, and uh, I'll go ahead and give him, he can give his own bio. Well, okay, so where do we come at this? I am consider myself to be what you might call of diverse and eclectic interests. Um, I guess I can jump right into how I came around to deciding this is something I want to do with myself. Um, we're sitting in... Bismarck, North Dakota, in wood town where we all grew up. We grew up sort of on the road in the pickup all across the western half of the state and uh, bits of Wyoming, South Dakota, Montana. And we always, there was always hunting involved there. Um, it was a little bit more what I call old boy style in my head or uh, very DIY, like slew jumping for ducks. Um, you know, effective, by the way. Very effective, but, you know, we intermittently had a dog. Sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. 
Um, intermittently had like waiters. Sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. If we didn't have waiters, you had to like figure how to come up on it just right so that when they flushed, you could blast them and you wouldn't have to go for a swim to get your ducks back. You can like blast them over land, you know. Or you didn't have to become the duck. Right, right. Or Oklahoma, those shits. Just like <laughs> blouch them right off the ground. <laughs> Which we never did that much, but you know. Um, so we always did that, but it was never something that you know, well, it was go see dad, and we either went to work, or we went hunting, or, you know, we did myriad other things, but, so I kind of grew up with it, but as a lot of folks do, I think, you get older, you start getting into other things, you know, girls and parties start to happen, and all of a sudden, some of those things go by the wayside, and it's a longer story about how I came back into it as an adult, but I... Well, I heard a story on NPR, actually, and actually growing up in North Dakota, there's just a lot of given stuff that you don't think about, like everybody's, if you're not a farmer or have farmers in your family or ranchers in your family, you at least know somebody who does. And so, like, you're very close to the food systems around here that is just a given, and everybody hunts, like everybody's house has, you know, antlers on the wall. Not everybody, but most people. I mean, pickup trucks with guns in the rack all over the place are not uncommon. So you just grow up with that stuff. So I live in Minnesota now, and I was working in Minnesota, uh, close to uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro, and I heard a radio show on NPR that was a person, a woman put it together, and she was talking about how her kids were uncomfortable in the grocery store seeing the turkeys, because they were the shape of a bird, and they realized that they were once an alive animal, and they didn't want to have anything to do with that. And the radio story was about how this woman then, like, thought that was weird, and went on this whole, like, journey of procuring her own food, and, like, killed a goat and ate it, and all that stuff, and it was, like, you know, NPR-style, uh, I'm trying not to say, like, pretty liberal-minded approach to that whole thing, right? But it, that is what it was, you know. Um, and so I thought, yeah, that is weird. And do people actually think that? And then it sent me down this whole spiral of, it is weird that you just go to the grocery store and buy a steak. And that used to be a living thing. And so then you start thinking about your food and where it comes from. And, you know, I'm not about to start harping on about factory farming and all that stuff, but some of it does kind of suck, and also the being outside aspect, growing up outside, there's the few things that are consistent in my life, and going outside and being outside and doing stuff like that is one of them, so that's how I sort of came back to it, and it's been several years, that was five years ago, and so I wanted to do my research and learn and educate myself, and a lot of that stuff was inborn just like blood knowledge from my dad driving down the pickup truck down section lines going, oh, you see that rooster in the ditch? Like that sort of stuff that you just don't forget when you grow up that way, but you never really knew you remembered. So I'm coming back to it that way. But there are particulars of where to go and what to do and how to do it that just aren't there as an adult. So that's where I come from on it. That's, I guess, my background. So I'm Adam, and... Uh, <clears throat> Kind of unlike Tony is I've never known my life without hunting. Um, that has been 
pretty much the the longest constant. Like my earliest remem- memories are of hunting. Um, specifically, my dad taking me out grouse hunting. I had to been like maybe three or four walking alongside of him, and he shot a grouse and sharp tail to be specific. Uh, on our family farm in North Dakota, and he let me carry the bird back, and we went to, and I remember going to our pickup truck, and we had lunch with like these like tuna fish kits, well on crackers type deal, and it's it's funny how some things stick with you and like what an important moment of your life, you you don't know it at the time. Yeah. You know, but it sticks with you all your legs, and I bring them with on hunting. I was going to say, is that still your lunch? Yeah, when you're out hunting still my lunch, and nice. it, it's, it's not even, like, I do, like, I just enjoy them, yeah. but also that it, it brings back, like, this nostalgic thing of, you know, my very first yeah. memory in hunt. So, I mean, and, and that's, like I said, I was maybe four in one of my earliest memories, and it's, I'm 31 now, so it's been... What you know, a, a twenty-five-year like constant, you know, yeah. where I've never not uh, procured wild game, or you know, and uh, uh, you know, I'm literally always planning my next hunt. It's more of a specialist in that way. So, uh, and as you know, or hunt or fish or or what have you. So you know, I do. You know, even when going to college where me and Tony met, like, some of the parties that he attended, I skipped because I was going home right. <laughs> to hunt. You know, I was like, Adam, you sticking around this weekend? It's a cowboy party. It's like, no, it's opening weekend of deer season or it's right. opening weekend of waterfall season and I haven't missed one in since I can remember. You almost didn't come and be a groomsman in my wedding because it was on opening day of pheasant season in North Dakota. Sorry about that, by the way. I, I haven't. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Wife's picked a date. <laughs> I actually haven't forgiven you for that yeah, yet. Yeah, I know. Um, so we'll come back. <laughs> so. Well, there used to be, I mean, I remember times where you would you'd go, where's Miller? I haven't seen him in three days. And you'd come back with, like, a bunch of birds. <laughs> just throw them in the freezer, <laughs> you know. And, and I see, I never considered that weird. Like, I didn't either, but you just disappear, you know. Right. So like, I'd be like on campus or in like a parking lot, and I would just plop down the, like the uh, tailgate of my Jimmy or something like that, and be cleaning birds in a parking lot. Yep. And if you know a little bit about. Fargo in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still North Dakota, but there's definitely a, a more like city liberal thing, and I, and I don't I'm not harping on that, but it's it's more people that are kind of removed from that lifestyle right. and culture, and you get the weirdest looks. Right. And as far as I knew, uh, you know, I considered it normal. Like the tailgate is the optimum best workbench to ever be invented. It's Especially <laughs> for gutting and skin and small game. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. So, Clean it off with a hose. Uh, so, you know, Tony kind of approached me with this idea that, you know, as he's getting into hunting, and uh, he called me the most accomplished hunter he knows. And I, I was kind of taken back by that because, like, 
I don't consider myself one of one of okay one of let me, <laughs> let me clear it so it uh, I never really thought of it that way you know because I you know I look at other people I'm like wow man that guy does a lot of things and that guy can flat out hunt and then I you know look at my own freezer it's like oh right. hey maybe I do too you know so <laughs> right and, and that's I'm not trying to make it a competitive thing but you, you know it's uh, you know, I probably eat wild game in my home. You know, probably two or three days a week at least. You know, consistently like, through the year. Consistently right? through the year. Like right now, I've I've got some leftover venison roast in my fridge that I'm looking forward to for lunch. So yep, or dinner, some... what have you. So um, that's kind of be you know what going forward. It's kind of I want to teach, I guess, of, you know, these people that have always been interested in hunting or maybe just starting to be interested in hunting. Right. Um, I'm going to teach you from an approach of what <clears throat> is possible and, or not, and what is practical for the average person. You're probably, as a person that's just getting into us, you're not going to dive into a western, you know, bighorn sheep or elk right. hunt or something like that. You're probably going to dabble right. and get something close to home. And in virtually every state, there is an opportunity, right. you know, not far from where you are, where you can go out and get your own protein. Right. Or, or you know, and we'll dabble in like some foraging and stuff too. Like right. Mushroom hunting, asparagus, right. and whatever. So. You know, well, I what I'm hoping to do is teach, um, and and I'm you know I know it's a cliche thing, but I'm obvious you know I am by no means an expert, but I am proficient. So you're the resident expert. I, I, I sure. you can call yeah. me the resident expert if you like. At I'm, least I'm, in this room. Yeah, I will. I will probably be even uncomfortable with that. Well, but, yeah. Uh, because you know, like even last year, I ate two big game tags. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. and that's well, part of that is just flat out. I you know, I you know I pass on deer every year right. just because I don't want my hunting season to be over. Well, and that's an expectation versus reality thing too, right? right? Exactly. It's like, uh, what's the overall rate of success for all hunting in America? Something like twenty percent, something like that. In North Dakota, uh, like archery, I want to say it's somewhere around 25%. Yeah. I think if like archery elk is like one thing we did in Montana last year, yeah. that hovers right around 10%. Okay. For, and, and if you use a rifle, it definitely goes higher. Yeah. Um, you know, and I use both. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I prefer archery. Yeah. Because it's a quieter thing. I'm more... I, really enjoy the solitude it's a little bit more you know but on yeah. that same token I like i like opening week in the deer season when we oh, get yeah. all the guys together and we you know we hunt we have a good time and then we go out you know that, that evening it's a social <clears throat> aspect of it that right. you know so i'm a little behind here but at least in north dakota buck hunters had a success rate of 71 percent holy cow i don't know if that i think that's just this year yeah. Oh, 2016. Okay. They're talking about. Fair and enough. Those were 66 percent. So in that North Dakota, that's pretty high. Is that archery or rifle? Uh, it does not specify. I'm guessing that's might be combined. Yeah, because it says uh, Game and Fish issued 13,466 gratis licenses and 11,369 hunters harvested three six thousand five hundred ninety three deer. 
So a total success rate of 58%. Okay. Yeah, count all that. With the think, yeah, I think that's all. That's probably Just including archery, deer, archery and rifle. Everything. Muzzle yeah. loader? Yeah. yeah all season? That as well. so. I imagine that's a, yeah, an overall number. Right. So <clears throat> Tony mentioned like expectation versus reality. And um, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that depending mm -hmm. on what kind of media you are consuming about right. what is real and what is not real. So, right. and we'll we'll get into that as well. Canned so. hunts versus fair chase, all right. that stuff. Right. Now might be a good time though to uh, introduce our third voice in the room, mm -hmm. our prestigious producer Roscoe Dangerous Danger. Whoa, I like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I made that up. I'm Roscoe. Here to push record. I, the least avid hunter fisherman out of the group. Fishing was more my spell. That was where my dad got me into as a kid. But never went hunting with my dad. He did in his youth, but never in his adulthood. No. So my hunting experiences are definitely limited to with friends who know about as much as I do. Right. And luckily, my in-laws are a little more avid hunters, and I've cool. been out with them a few times. Yeah. And had a little more success. Right. <laughs> I've, I've seen someone shoot a deer now. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. In Badlands, of all places. That was that was actually. Yeah, that was, that was great. Pretty that cool, was a wonderful experience. But and that's why we're here, right? Is to speak more to folks that have less experience, right? Yeah, because it it can be really intimidating for folks to like. Okay, I want to start going out and getting my own meat. Right. Where do I start? Because it, it like and oh. and there's and it, hunters can be really bad at this, where we try to be like just like masculine, right. don't even approach me right. type thing, you know, that we tend to be kind of elitist. Yeah. And that's not where, you know, there's less and less hunters every year, and we need to be more accepting of people right. that, you know, maybe aren't traditionally um, right. hunters. Like, if I can get one, like, inner city single mom to go out and shoot a deer. I got someone you need to meet. Right. <laughs> and, you know, like, bring home this venison to her family, and then, you know, it's a, it's a better quality food, it's a better tasting food. Right. And, you know, and they understand that, you know, behind the grocery store, right. you know, you know, there... It's a very unnatural thing, actually. There was a live animal somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know... It, to get to that point, yeah. you know, where you you accept that as a fact, and um, and you can kind of go forward from there. Right. So. Well, and that's why that's where the idea struck me is that it is that hard. Even as somebody like myself who grew up with it, mm -hmm. and I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I get a lot of mileage about being from North Dakota mm -hmm. in Minnesota. Like, when I tell people, especially in the larger metro areas of Minnesota, if I walk up to a guy in camo cargo shorts in the summertime or in, you know, the real tree jacket in the wintertime, or if I see them in the grocery store and I can say, like, one-sentence things and in seconds, in two more sentences we're talking about where he goes hunting and what he got this year and, you know, how he likes to cook it and all this stuff. So I'll, all I have to do is say I'm from North Dakota and people just assume things about that. And maybe it's like the flannel and the beard and the bison hat, but they <laughs> assume that. So I get a lot of mileage out of that. But even in that situation for me, even coming back to it, there's some like intimidating bits about it that I think is one of the reasons why you see less and less hunters. Why you see less and less, well, more women hunters, I think, but 
highest rate of new hunters are women and the highest rate of attrition are also women mm -hmm. because I think there's a bit of, and I don't want to speak for women and I'm not doing that. This mm -hmm. is me personally. There's, I would be lying if I didn't say there was an intimidation factor to not knowing what the hell you're doing out there when it comes to killing things with guns, mm -hmm. you know, and not wanting to look like a great big idiot. And that's where the idea came in is I'm sure there are a lot of people out there like that, that you know, talking through it with people that are going through it and have gone through it and are not necessarily internationally recognized experts, but as I said, the best expert in the room uh, could be very helpful. And one of the things I was going to say is the thing that I was struck me about you, Miller, he called himself Adam. I'm going to call him Miller. It's weird um, to call you Adam. So uh, one of the things that was struck me about you is the generalist aspect, right? There are guys that I'm sure are great, great hunters, like your father-in-law, for instance, talking about turkey hunting, right? He's an avid turkey hunter. I know guys that love turkey hunting. I know guys that do nothing but shoot whitetails in the trees in Minnesota. But the thing that struck me about you particularly was you were always hunting something different. Every time was, you know, dead of winter, I'm bored, I'm going to go see if I can find some coyotes. You know, springtime. Spring turkey season. Uh, I mean, just always something. Fishing all summer long. Fall is a bonanza time, right? Oh, absolutely. That's that's <laughs> when I do the bulk of my right. grocery shopping. Right. <laughs> um, and then, out like, yearly some special thing. But also to your point, too, about having new amateur people or new to the activity in general coming in. I mean, like, I'm married. She does not hunt. She has no desire to hunt. She loves wild game meat but has no desire to participate, does not begrudge me at all for participating, but just doesn't want to do it herself. Um, and, you know, doesn't like guns. I happen to enjoy guns quite a bit. I do think that they are useful tools. We, I'm trying not to get into politics, and we may or may not do that. I do think that they're usable, respectful tools that are can also be really fun. I'll say that. Um, and she does not agree with that. So, to your point of heading out and spending whatever, however much it costs, to have a guided trip in the Bitterroots to go hunt bighorn. Do they have bighorn in the Bitterroots? Maybe. I don't know. I'm elk? not sure. I'll say elk. Elk. <laughs> I, I, would go with, I would go with elk. <gasps> to go hunt elk Mule or whatever. Muleys, whatever. Mm -hmm. Or even to uh, go into Montana and get a non-resident license and DIY it which is going to be, you know, a not insignificant pile of money to do that, is a bit of a harder sell in that situation. So I think being a generalist in your area is an amazing place to start. And another thing that gets me about hunting is that there's an endless deep well to learn. Mm -hmm. You can never, you can, inst if your state has any bit of rural area and any public land, you can find seasons and not even necessarily have to leave your state very often to be fairly successful and do what you say. Go get your own protein. Go grocery shopping, mm -hmm. at least. And I mean, there are grocery shopping hunts, and we'll get into all that stuff, but you don't necessarily have to spend thousands of dollars to go all over the country or the world to do this. And you may find you want to, but 
and on like, that point, like I've you know, when you approached me with this, I started looking at things like if I were stripped down everything to the absolute <clears throat> bare minimum of mm-hmm. what a person would need to go hunting, right? And like a lot of the things, like you probably already have, yeah. If you've never hunted before, like especially if you live in like. Let's say you wanted to go deer hunting in in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I'll mm-hmm. cover this specifically lately, right. later. Like some, uh, you know, I'll set you up and yeah. for, and I promise I will get it under. Uh, I'm gonna shoot for a goal of five hundred dollars. Right. You you know, assuming some things about where you live, I bet you already have a pair of boots. Yep. You have you know you probably already have some warm gloves. Yep. I mean, you probably have a set of coveralls. Yep. Or you know, something like that to keep or at you least, warm. Sorry, or at least long underwear or mm-hmm. Under Armour base layer or something so you yeah. don't freeze. And if you don't have it, I'm going to tell you where you can go get something that is usable. Like yeah. Some of these things that are actually really inexpensive that I use. Like my hunting knife is seven bucks. And it's the oh, best. So it is I'm, the best hunting knife I've ever had. I use it for everything. I, 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 you know, completely broke down an entire elk, entire deer. I use it. I mean, so, you know, you if you especially if you watch like hunting television, I, I I'm gonna kind of just tell you to stop. Yeah. Because it, it, yeah. it's your expectation versus reality. It, it's it's not. You know, these people they'll shoot a 22 minute video of show. Mm-hmm. It might have taken them two weeks to right. get that video to get what they needed. So, and there's some shows that are much better than others. I don't want to, you know, I'm right. not, you know, gonna uh, really harp on the hunting industry here, you know, in, in shows on television because there's some, definitely some good things about it. And yeah. one of the biggest things that is uh, um, hurting hunting right now is you know our own infighting, right? And it and it, it hurts to see. So, it, but uh, you know, choose your influences, right? I guess. So, I have gone on from the backyard hunter, right. you know, where like I said, I've used this a lot of simple stuff, and I filled a lot of tag, right. made a lot of wild game, right? You know, to going out on more, like, I try to do at least one adventure hunt right. a year, where it's a right. DIY the hunt where you go. out of state, where I'm right. chasing antelope, or elk, or bear, Moose. or whatever. So, but this is going to be kind of a to get you started yeah. type conversation. Well, and from my generalist experience in the outdoor everything before, um, I'm a big believer in Cry once about the price for good gear. But that is once you've had enough experience to understand what you really want and what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So I would say even for those other... Like, that's where you go when you understand what you want and need, your area. Like, some of that stuff, even like camo patterns and all that, is going to be region-specific. Mm-hmm. So Or arbitrary. Or arbitrary. Like, there's <laughs> research out there that what the camo pattern you wear doesn't really even matter to most large game. What they're looking for is your movement. Mm-hmm. So, or your overall, sh- it's the overall shape yeah. of your body. Anything that breaks up your lines. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, I'm not saying those aren't good things, and I own some pretty good stuff that I spent a pretty penny on, but if you're going to do that, also, like, be particular and discerning about what you decide to spend money on, because you don't need all that stuff. Right, and I'm not in a position to, like, advocate one brand over another no, anyway, because I haven't tried it all. I haven't either. I, I don't have the resources to say... A loophole is better than a Nikon, this is better than a Zeiss, that is better to a Vortex than, you know, what have you. I'm going to walk back and say, I'm not going to tell you what you do and don't need. Mm -hmm. But just be discerning about the things you decide to spend your hard-earned money on in this area because mm -hmm. you could very easily be told that you need to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on the top-end stuff. And you could still be successful with other means. Oh, absolutely. So, that was my only point. Great. <laughs> So what we're going to get to is, you know, for the, for the people that have never hunted before, is we're is going to tell you kind of what hunting is, which is harder to define. Right. But it's a lot easier to define what hunting isn't. Right. So. Spoken like a true scientist. Right. You didn't uh, give your educational background. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if I've come off as a bit of a, like, backwoods redneck yet. Oh, we'll get there if we'll, you haven't. <laughs> we'll get there. But I, I'm actually fairly well learned where right. I have a degree in biotechnology with minors in chemistry and microbiology. From North Dakota State. Right, from North Dakota State. Where we met, go Bison, Carson, hometown boy, Carson yeah. Wentz, Fly Eagles Fly. Yeah, so where we're sitting right now, actually, he was in this town. Lived, grew up here. Grew up here, went to school here. Right. You know, got ignored by a lot of bigger lot colleges of from here. Right. So, he and, went to my high school. Right. So, and, That's right. Uh, Go Patriots. He's also a really good follow on Instagram. He's also, when he gets Very time, he comes, yeah, he comes home and does a little hunting in North Dakota. Goddamn right. So, so it, like I said, it's a lot easier to define what hunting isn't. Um, it's not just a walk in the woods to go out and shoot something at random. Right. It is highly defined by law. Absolutely. And they're there for a reason. They're there for a reason. It's not a, a bloodlust. Absolutely not. Or if it is for you, then I'm gonna tell you, not ask you to stop. That's right. Because that's not. Not the point. It's not the point. So. One of the things that has struck me about you too is, um, as I've come back to this in as an adult, uh, some of my first steps back into this world have been with you, especially with ice fishing, which we'll get around to because I find it. Fairly intensely weird, to be honest. But uh, you've always said the killing is my least favorite part of all of this. Yeah. it. Uh, Which I found to be pretty profound, actually, from a guy who I know killed and ate a lot of shit. Right. If, if there was actually a way to eat wild game without killing, hmm. I would probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's this uh, thing, like, I don't... You know, there's, there's so many people that have this Disney filter. Yeah. Ooh, that, we'll touch on that a lot, too. That think, you know, uh, they don't want to think about that something died to feed them. And they're, they get so removed from it. The decent point you made is, to quote a song by one of my favorite artists, life feeds on life. Mm -hmm. It just does. Mm -hmm. You can't not do that. Mm-hmm. Which is, was going to be my next, like, actual question to 
start off some other conversation for you is why hunt, which we talked about before, mm-hmm. but why do you hunt? And you can't get around that. No. And once you accept that, then the reasons to actually hunt yourself and do it yourself become abundantly clear, I think. Or they did for me. Right. And you might be able to explain that better just because you brought in, you know, kind of, you had a lapse. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And they brought in an adult perspective on it. Whereas me, it's it's become so an ingrained thing that I never made... I guess, a conscious decision to start hunting. Right. I make a decision every time I go out. Right. I make a decision every time I pull the trigger. Right. You know, and... And that's also a point worth emphasizing. Right. Every time you pull the trigger, it is a conscious, calculated decision. Mm Mm-hmm. So, to me, it's, it's become such... Like, I can explain it to a person that does it and right. they completely understand. Yeah. You know, it's it's tougher for me to explain it to somebody that's never done it before. For like, you know, when one of my first elk hunts. Yeah. And which I want to do so damn though. And I'm going to get you out there. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my first elk hunts when I've got a, a bugling bull, you know, you know, no more than like 100 yards away. Man. Yeah. That's Tony pouring coffee if you can pick that up. <laughs> We're not recording this in the bathroom. So. Yeah, we might be in a minute though. <laughs> After all this coffee. Tony might have his first on air. That's right. Break. That's right. You know, and I got this this elk just screaming at me. I'm in a in kind of a natural amphitheater of a valley. Man. And it's so it's so loud. Like you it's yeah. And um, it's this most primal feeling you will ever have, where you, you know, like you were feeling like ten thousand years of human evolution hunt and, and hunting going flowing through your veins, and like, and I it, like, honestly I I didn't even have the tag, like I wasn't allowed to shoot this elk, and I'm staring yeah. at I'm staring at this animal, and it's high noon, and he's he's screaming, and he's got an elk. You know, his, his head is like back and his antlers are back by its rump I'm watching it and it's the one of the most profound things I've ever seen yeah and you know I whispered it to my hunting buddy who did have the tag we're just sitting there watching it and I tell him like I don't even care if we don't fill our tags this is the the most amazing thing the coolest thing that has ever happened to me while I'm hunting and you know, to me, at that point, the hunt was, honestly, could have been complete. Right. You know, we, we obviously, we kept going, and I, I write about this, and actually, I, I publish, or will be publishing a short story on this, and, like, he was the same way. It's like, we were both, you know, in amazement. Right. And, you know, eventually, we did go on. We didn't kill that bull. We did kill another bull that I called in for him about a couple weeks after that. But... You cannot get that sort of feeling or that experience, right? W- you know, without going out 
and and doing, and doing it, it. You know, yeah. You know, it's you can't look at you know. I couldn't watch that on TV and feel that tingling in the back of my neck. You have to be there. You have to be there, and you you, you don't experience those things unless you are a hunter, right? So, I, I you know. And I want, like, you know, even though, like, a lot of people complaining about, you know, public land or hunting and that it's too busy the way it is, it's too crowded, you know, I want more people to experience right. that. I I am of the opposite. That aspect. I, you know, I want there to be more hunters. Right. So, it just... Exactly. If, even Which is if what it we're meant, trying to do in healthcare. Yeah. Even if it meant less, less... Um, opportunity for me, I will find something else to do. Right. Like, there's always something in season. So if I get less tags, <laughs> yeah. you know, of this thing, if I have to go every, you know, I only get an elk tag every three or four years, I can live with that, you know, yeah. as long as more people, even if they don't go out and hunt, they understand why I do it. And if you don't understand mm-hmm. that feeling that you just described of watching a forest monster that grows swords out of its head once a year to fight so it can breed. If you don't think that you could feel something from witnessing that, and if you don't understand the desire to have more people participate in that... And if you don't like Big Red Chewing Gum, then fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... We all went to NDSU together, North Dakota State University, during or lived in that town, Fargo, North Dakota, uh, together at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of showing your hand as an unrelenting redneck sometimes, <laughs> the very first time I met Adam Miller. Oh, Jesus. Um, uh, I'm going to tip our hand as being also relentless douchebags in certain ways. It's in our... Uh, if you haven't already picked up on that, is uh, in our fraternity together. It was the first day that we all sat down in a room, and there was this dude in a leather Remember Dale Senior baseball cap that was like laughing so loud and obnoxiously. I thought I had to leave the room, and I thought I can never be friends with that dude. And that was like 2004. That was like almost 15 years ago now. 14 years ago. Yeah. So here we sit now. Um, as far as unrelenting redneckery. So I'd like to point out right now, a part of me is more cultured. Right. And there's nothing wrong with NASCAR. There's nothing wrong with NASCAR. <laughs> I'm not hating on Dale Senior. And you know what? I'm not hating on Dale Senior. <laughs> yeah. Man is a legend. He he forwarded that sport more than most folks. Yeah. I'm just saying, when you sit down with a guy in a black leather, remember Dale Senior baseball cap, you're getting into a situation that I think you can recognize. I love that hat. <laughs> yeah, you probably still have it, don't you? Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So, you are very well educated, both through personal experience and formal education. Oh, well, I, I mean, I grew up on a ranch, so, yeah. and like, I still work on a ranch. Yeah, and you, you know, worked intermittently, in, so. For various interests as an environmental scientist. Yeah, I've also, yeah, I've been an environmental scientist for, yeah. you know, three different places. Yeah. You know, so, uh, I definitely go. So you know, I, I can you know I do a lot of different things. You live like, it. Like, I am I can both process data, and right. I can go out right now and like 
you know, like pull a calf and like right. like know how to save its life if it's not breathing. So, so as far as wildlife, um, so as far as being a guy who has life experience and education in exactly what we're talking about as mm-hmm. far as being outside, working with animals, understanding animals, both domestic and wild, mm-hmm. having a scientific understanding and real-life work experience in all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. unless you had a PhD and worked for the Forest Service, you have a diverse and lifetime worth of experience in this sort of thing, both, uh, both formally educated and work experience and life experience. I, I would I would agree. And it's yeah. it's not that that one's more valuable than the other. No. Yeah. They're just different. There's things that you cannot learn from a book. Yeah. Or, you know, you you need to go out and do it. Right. So, you so. know, there's, like, even listening to this, like, I can teach you a whole lot of things, you know, but, right. you know, some things that aren't possible unless you go out right. and experience them. Right, and that's another decent point is I'm probably going to put myself on blast for being an idiot in a lot of situations that I'm going to describe being new and coming back to some of this stuff, but that's part of the whole thing is trying to alleviate some of the anxiety of not knowing what you're doing, some of the intimidation factor of what are going to be you're going to run into, like old boy tactics and stuff. Like So like last fall, we went out and hunted in Montana for elk, and uh, they uh, they use a lot of shale to, yep. like, gravel the roads. And mm-hmm. if you know what shale is, it's basically this really brittle, crumbly rock, and when it breaks, it's, like, razor sharp. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they decided to use this to, to gravel roads. <laughs> I think it's some sort of conspiracy with people selling tires. <laughs> so I, I've had yeah, blown I, out tires blasting yeah, over cattle guards back yeah. under the shale <laughs> so in I, Montana. Yeah, so I got a flat out in the mountains. You know, we've been hunting for like three days. I pull off to the side of the road and we're changing a tire. And like I had no less than like four yeah, cars nice. stop and say, "Hey, can we help you out?" I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I got it," you know. Oh, they're great. Yeah. So these one folks stop and they're like, "Obviously, I'm hunting. I'm in camouflage. I'm changing a flat side road. People can see my bows and my uh, yeah. the bows in the back of my truck." And they're like, "Hey, what are you hunting for?" I'm like, "Oh, we're going for elk." And they're like, "Are you seeing anything?" And I go. No, not really. You know, it was super dry this last fall. The elk weren't in the same spots we had found them before. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, just so you know, you know, we saw this really nice bull up the road here. That, And they pointed out exactly to me on a map. And I went up there that evening, hiked up there, and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, there's fresh elk sign. There was probably a bull here. But they also said, you know, if I were you, I would move over to this mountain range you know, that's this far, you know, so far away. You can probably you get to it from here, and you still camp here, but, like, I used to be a guide over in this area, right. and, you know, a lot of good spots to hunt over there. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you very much, you know, you, you know, and it's kind of a weird thing, because right. people are very secretive about their spots. I'm like, well, it's worth it to at least go check out. Right. So we go over there, and we find elk sign everywhere, we start seeing elk, and it's like... Like, I can't imagine a more friendly thing. Oh, yeah. You know, to, like, give me an, your spot where you have elk. Right. You know, and we found some really nice bulls. We weren't able to connect, 
but I mean, we're, all of a sudden we are in the elk. Well, and yeah. I would not have gotten that had not I had a flat tire on the side of the road in Montana and had these friendly people stop. Right. You know, because they see you North Dakota plates. Yeah. They know you're from out of state. Mm-hmm. They know you probably have a limited amount of time here. They know mm-hmm. you spent a bunch of money, and they want to see you be successful too because they know what it's like. Yeah. So. I mean, to kind of go forward from that, you you know, you keep mentioning, like, embarrassment and, like, screwing up. Right. Generally speaking, when you're out in the woods, there's nobody around to see you screw up anyway. And you're gonna screw up. <laughs> and you're gonna screw up. And like I said, I've been doing this for 25 years. I still screw up. I bet you've done every stupid-ass thing that you <laughs> possibly do. <laughs> Aside from, like, shooting another person. I bet you've done some pretty dumb stuff. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> See, when you, yeah, there was times when, you know, when we were young, you know, mm-hmm. our dads would just let us go, Yeah. you know, yeah. and when you're like 16, 17, you know, so on and so forth, we're not going to get into all the things, because I'm not sure if the statute of limitations have completely passed, Right. but, um, yeah, you're going to do some dumb stuff, and I'd, I'd, I'm going to say right now, I'd advise very hard against that. Right. Don't so, do dumb stuff. <laughs> You know, let's move on. <laughs> I gotta figure so I, I think we should kind of like get to a point where we should like describe the name of the podcast and stuff and like oh, yeah. how we came up with this. Okay. So yeah, the name of the podcast, the new Venivores. Um, if you, it's almost kind of a made up word, but it does work. I I have fact checked this, so oh, I don't need to. Yeah, I mean you can if you want, but you won't find it. So basically, it's Latin for to eat that what has been hunted. So new, obviously, is we're just trying to you know explain it in a way of like people that are just starting to uh, you know procure their own meat by via hunting. So the new metaphors, and that's. You know, Miller talked a little bit about his educational background and how it's applicable, and I'll talk about a little bit about my own, and it is not applicable to this at all. Um, but we all went to North Dakota State. I have my bachelor's in economics with a degree or with minors in philosophy and sociology. One of which I am a giant fan of, and the other one I became extremely disillusioned with when I be- went through the formal educational process of figuring out what it's all about. Um, they were weirdly synergistic in a lot of ways, those three things. And that's really it, I guess. Uh, another part, um, you said some of your earliest memories, Miller, were being out and about hunting. And those are actually some of my earliest memories, too. Um, I remember my dad let me shoot his 12-gauge when I was way, way too young to do that. Because I told you to lean into it, he says. Um, but uh also like i was in boy scouts for a long time and i learned a lot of outdoor general stuff from that so uh props to my stepdad and uh the rest of my family on that part for allowing me to be part of that but that's also like very like bushcraft outdoor skills and i'd I'd like to really kind of talk you up on that yeah right now because like so like i said you know, I, I didn't realize at the very start that Tony didn't think much of me <laughs> um, <laughs> until just this moment. So he kind of just broke this to me. 
And How did you not? It was a leather Dale Senior hat. So this is kind of awkward now. I'm not sure how our relationship is going to go forward. Um, so this might be the very first and last podcast of the new Venomverse. So I hope you all enjoyed it. So anyway, me, me and Tony, I would say shortly after that, we fell in to at least... Uh, on the, you know, get along. Oh, yeah. I mean, within, <laughs> within that first initial meeting, by the time I left, I was like, okay. But, <laughs> I guess. I guess I need one friend like this to kind of balance it out. Know. To be um, honest, though, some of the best people that I've ever met in my life, I, on immediate meeting, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> or, like, <laughs> like, seriously, you know? I'm not saying I said that to you, but like... No, 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 you did say that. I did say that. <laughs> but immediate judgments on some of my favorite people in my whole life, I was absolutely dead wrong on. On initial judgments, which I'm not going to say I don't do, we all do. Okay. So so let, let's just say it, it wasn't long after that we became fast friends. Yeah. And we came... Of course. You know, Tony and I have the tendency to bite off more than we can chew when, when we're, especially when we're together. <laughs> uh, it seems to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy right, that like, builds to, uh... <laughs> so how does that go from, like, that line of, like, Men in Black, like, a person is smart, people are dumb, right, but, yeah. like, they're dumb, panicky, dangerous animals. <laughs> in this case, it's people of two. Right, in this case, it's people of two. So, I, what year what, was it, like, 2000? Oh, yeah, it's 2006, 2007, something like that. We were, yeah, it wasn't long after we met. Me and Tony got this brilliant idea to, like, go to the Boundary Waters together. And Mm -hmm. where I had spent a whole lot of time outdoors, like, hunting, like, a lot of day trips and what have you, which is, you know, kind of how North Dakota hunting goes, I had not spent a lot of time out in, like, actual wilderness, like, overnight camping type deal, just because it's not something you need to do in North Dakota. Nope. So, we got this idea to go to the Boundary Waters for a week. The Boundary Waters Canoe Area and Wilderness. And if th- this was kind of a life-changing experience for both of us. Um, now, right. what I said about bad decisions... <laughs> Tony. Yeah. Oh, I am. I mean, I'm not sure what possessed you to do this, and I'm not sure what possessed me to agree with it. But Tony is like, I'm like talking about what we should bring to like for food, like just like, hey man, freeze dried stuff, whatever you know, you got pack light. And Tony's like, that stuff tastes like shit. Let's just catch fish and eat them. (laughs) MREs do taste like shit, and that's what I was thinking about. And so, I can see where this is going. so I look at him, because we're, uh, we're in like a local sporting goods store, <coughs> looking at these MREs, right. and I'm just like, I was thinking military grade MREs. Yeah, and he's like, which tastes like shit. <laughs> and he's like, like what? You can like we can catch fish, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, but we're, we're like we're living a week on just fish. And he's like, well, we'll bring like some trail mix and jerky too. I'm like, oh, that makes it much better. <laughs> So yeah, water. You can live a week. Yeah. So <laughs> so Tony, yeah. I'm picturing the helicopter now coming. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> so 
I, in my young and impressionable, only 20 years old. I figured, this dude's been done this before. He knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I was really relying on Tony for this. And yeah. so I'm, like, supremely overconfident in my fishing abilities. And I should explain right now that I, I hunt way more than I fish. Yeah, I've seen you scare fish out of whole states. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure if Tony was aware of this at the time. He probably <coughs> thought I was very proficient in fishing. Yeah, I was far less educated than I am now. Yeah, so... And, 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 and I don't want to like oversell that. I do have, you know, I I can go and catch fish when I need to, and I have fish in the freezer. Right. But I hunt way more than I fish. So anyway, so we went without what I would consider food. <laughs> well, I'll tell you exactly what I was thinking about. I was thinking about, goddamn, we spent a shitload of money for a couple of twenty. Mm-hmm. 20-year-old dudes. I think we were 20 at the time because yeah. we couldn't go to the bar. Yeah. I was like, damn, we spent a lot of money on these permits and stuff for 20-year-old dudes and like, I don't know if I have a whole lot left for food. <laughs> here's a, here's a two one-pound bags of uh, Monster Trail mix, one one-pound bag of dried food and two one-pound bags of beef jerky. That's what we took for a week. <laughs> And relied on my ability to catch fish. That's all we needed. There was so, all sorts of stuff in there. We would have lived just fine if we didn't even catch fish. So, <laughs> we would. <laughs> okay. So, to kind of jump to the end here, we can fill back in. I right. lost eight pounds in seven days. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm fat. I need like, <laughs> like and you were 800 fine. calorie a day for me would that, dude, I bet you felt. Um, I mean, I remember feeling amazing. Yeah, honestly, after well, it took a couple of days, but yeah. after like day like three or four, yeah, like I, I honestly had never felt better. And I bet if we calculated it out later, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe twelve hundred calories a day. Maybe, yeah. Tony got at I, I was just kind of pissy because I'm kind of fat. It was a <laughs> bit of, it, it was like a bit allergies, a bit of a like spring cold. So to the point where you thought about paddling me out of there, actually. Yeah, and, and I insisted that was fine. Yeah, you, and I, I'm really glad you cowboyed through that because it was a mm-hmm. very profound experience. Yes, you know. There's so, one thing I'll do is cowboy through that shit, right? Regardless of what it is, right? So. And I remember we kind of did like a little video doc documentary afterwards on the way home. Yeah. We went down to Duluth to party for the night. We did. We video documented every day. Right. And uh, like the first thing we said, like, okay, so next time. Chapstick. Chapstick. <laughs> beer. Beer. And whiskey. food. And food, yeah. <laughs> and we're, so we're not going to let Tony do the menu planning. Now, so, in the last 10 years, they've come leaps and bounds on freeze-dried mountain meals. Mountain House is actually really good. I know. So I don't know if they've been around for ten years. I didn't I do my research. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> possibly. So, so what I learned from that is to kind of like keep Tony in check. <laughs> and when he <laughs> has a wise. when he has a bad idea, like let's go into the wilderness without food for a week. We had food. I'm like, hey man. We had food. Maybe we should. Well, okay. I should. I should say, like, I fish. Like I said, I hunt one of the fish, but I was able to catch enough fish right. to at least keep us sustained. We ate three, four fish a piece a day. Right. Which was a lot. Of, I mean, maybe three, four fish between us. A day. Right. But so, still, like, that's just enough. Protein. Just enough. Like so some days it was stuff. just like you know a decent sized northern. Right. Like the highlight was like that we caught like like four walls. Yeah. Well, that I would call it a low light. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was a trophy, but it was kind of yeah. So like one day where we had like four nice walleye. Yeah, that was good. That was a wonderful day. And we did catch some ling. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So, yeah, exactly. And cry. So, so bring this all back around. Sometimes we, when we get together, we do some very, like, what from the outside perspective would seem like, yeah, wow, that was not the smartest idea. We were, like, full-on feral by the end of that, too. And it was, like, I mean, not full-on feral, but it was, we ran into some guys from Kentucky on the sixth day, mm-hmm. and we were, we only had our packs, and... The Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness is the area in northern Minnesota that's along the Canada border that's a full-on wilderness. They don't allow motorboats in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be permitted to go in. It's like a very well-preserved and expansive wilderness that is, I consider it a national treasure, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It's I would. Gorgeous. I would. I would. I recommend it to everyone. I ever would break down and cry. Like, if that place were to ever be ruined. And depending on your perspective, that might be threatened right now. Right. Um, and but we we will touch on public lands a lot in this podcast, right. and it is near and dear to my heart. Public, every single one of you is a public landowner. Right. Um, but, so it's a gorgeous place, and people come from all over the country, and we ran into these guys from Kentucky, and they had, each had, so all we had was, I think, a, a, what, 5,500 Kelty, 5,500 cc Kelty packs, yep. and a canoe, and that's it. And, uh, <laughs> and it was probably too big of a pack, actually, to be honest, for the amount of stuff that we had. Oh, yeah, I had, I had, I had empty space. It was way too big. Um, we packed... You had room for souvenirs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we packed stupid amounts of stuff. Stupid light. <laughs> yeah. well, or stupid amounts of stuff, depending. I like, yeah. I like how you said stupid light, and I said yeah. way too much shit. <laughs> Like in the same breath. I, <laughs> I think we went in about as bare bones as you could get. I, like even I like too many clothes. But you, okay, clothes is one thing. I guess because like even like the people. Okay, when you go into the Boundary Waters, you have to apply for a permit. Yeah. So and I know a lot of people that also go through an outfitter. Right. Because we didn't own a canoe, we had right. to rent a canoe. Right. So you rent a canoe, and like this guy will give you maps, and he'll like explain to you like. Where to go? He'll plot your trip for you, like, yeah. and you'll—it's kind of like a pick your own adventure type deal. Like, you can go this way for a few days, or and then come back and go How this bad? way for a few days. And How he, bad do you want to see other people? Yeah. How easy is it to get lost? Sorry. How easy to get lost? Extremely. Oh, very yeah, easily. Just curious. I mean, like, yeah. if we're looking at a map right now in a canoe. It's like find this. Yeah. 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 Oh, extremely. Well, we could do an entire like podcast on just a long one on like wayfinding and like. Oh yeah. And like. And not scratch the surface, yeah. and probably get a lot of hate about how what idiots we are when it comes to that right. stuff. So and then we're gonna get people lost and killed in the bullet. Right. I don't recall ever getting lost. No, and and there I, was I, questionable I, moments, but we yeah. always knew like fairly close to where we actually were. And I owe a lot of that. Like I said, Tony actually has a lot of bushcraft. Like these right. are things that Tony was very proficient at, and I relied on heavily. And and it's funny, it's like. He said, yeah, we'll just really, I gotta come back to this. Yeah, we'll just rely on catching fish. Tony didn't buy a fishing license. He didn't bring a fishing pole. <laughs> I didn't. I forgot about that. Like, yeah, he, he, relied he relied. I was there to go camping, man. Yeah, he relied only on me to do this. I was just there for the adventure. And so, <laughs> like I said, bad decisions yeah. and, like, and lack of communication. But, any, I mean, we. 
Honestly, we got through it. Yeah. And, and like, it great. once you get past the point of your life over your, yeah, you get over yourself of like, oh my god, I'm away from society. I'm up, you know, like, what do we do if mm-hmm. something goes wrong? I'm like, you deal with it. Right. You know, honestly, you will be okay if you like keep your head and like, okay, mm-hmm. so, you know, just a few, you know, you have these small bits of knowledge, like. Right. You, you know, like, you know, where the sun rises, where the sun sets. Okay, right. you know what direction is what now. Right. So, if you're in the bottom. you wear a watch, you can point it at one of the hands of the sun and know north and south. Right. Like, that's so, why you wear a watch. So, like, I knew day one we were going to have problems with some things, with, again, oh, yeah. that we did not communicate. For instance, <laughs> like I said, this is the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. I, I had have never rangers and stuff, but yeah, I had never sat in a canoe. <laughs> yeah, <was> an experience. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe once. And I know? gave you unending amounts of shit about your technique for the whole week. And I deserved it. I'm the proud owner of a canoeing merit badge and an orienteering merit badge, just so you know. Right. <laughs> Not trying to brag. <laughs> Not trying to brag. <laughs> so you got your badges but no license. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, so, so we I both came in. Dash out there, Ross. <laughs> oh, I should have. I would have. We did bring a fraternity flag. Though. We did. I hung that shit in the trees. Yeah. Every campsite. <laughs> so, we brought in some, some, you know, both had specific skills that right. were needed. Right. You know, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, God, why haven't we gone back? <laughs> yeah, I know we should, because we both have wives and kids. Yeah. We can bring them now. Cubicles and little flaming piles And we were running 